0: You're listening to another great podcast, in the Stoplight Network.
1: Techfan137. Where is everybody? to TechFan. This is episode number 147 and uh, my name is David Cohen, one of your regular hosts. Um, Tim's not going to be able to join us this week. He is snowed in and that means his family is snowed in with him, which is not a conducive environment for recording pod- a podcast, I'm led to believe. But uh, stepping into his shoes bravely at the last minute and much appreciated is Owen Rubin. Hiya, Owen.
2: I don't know if I can fit in his shoes. They're okay? no too big. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Hello, David. How you know, are you? You know what year?
1: they say about guys with big feet? Uh... Uh, well, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, so good to speak my to you. Own, to how...
2: say, my dad used to say I had a good understanding.
1: Good. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, how are things <laughs> How are things with you over in the uh, Bay Area? I take it you're not snowed in.
2: We could use it out here. We're in the middle of a drought. Really? Oh, yeah. This is the... I think they said the driest winter on record since like 1917.
1: If only you lived near a large body of water. Oh, hang on a minute.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's really strange. We were in, uh, say that we were in Israel not too long ago. And you know, the first question I asked the place we were staying is, can you drink the tap water? And the, the woman laughed. And I said, why is that so funny? She goes, you do realize all the water here is desalinated. Yeah. And I went, oh, yeah. good point, right? So, yeah, we need to learn how to, I guess, how to do that out here. But then, of course, then we'd have an energy problem. So, well, yeah, uh, but
1: you've also got lots of solar energy as well, because you're, and in yep. fact, in San Francisco, you've got plenty of wind too. A lot of winds. So yeah. So you'd it's have you'd have thought these things are not insurmountable, but uh, we had
2: so we set or we we're setting record temperatures. It was in the it was in the seventies yesterday, which is record for this time, and we've also set a record for having uh, what they call a red alert day. Because it was windy and very very dry, so they're very afraid of fires up fires, in the hills. right? Where they live. Yeah, and it's a little scary. I mean, we're t- they're talking about uh, a mandatory twenty percent cutback on water, and that doesn't sound like it'd be difficult. But we already did that. We've, you know, we do a lot of stuff to save water here. We all yeah. the irrigation was changed to drip, and uh, we take short showers and. We even we even do what we call shared flushing when you have to share the water. so for us to go back into 20% might be a little interesting.
1: Yeah here, here in Britain we, whenever there's a drought they, they institute first of all a hose what they call a hose pipe ban, right. which basically means you can't do anything outside the house with water. I've never heard them and and you know they're always providing free devices like balloons that go in the toilet tank which means right. it doesn't fill up so much and recommending people shower instead of instead of having baths and and stuff like that but I've sure. never heard them actually say to you that you have to not flush the toilet until several people have used it.
2: Well no they don't say that but, <laughs> um, yeah, but, but that's look, what that's what problem. shared
1: flushing means presumably. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No they don't tell us you have to do that but they say you have to cut back 20% so we have you know we redid our bathrooms 5 years ago and we put in low flush toilets. So yeah. you can't put a brick or a bottle yeah. or a balloon in them because then they won't flush at all. Yeah. So they're already down to like 1, 1. 1.6 gallons as opposed to the 3 to 6 that the old ones used to use. So you have to cut somehow. Like I even I have a bucket in the shower. So when we turn the shower on, we collect the water in the bucket. Oh. Wow. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll take that and I will use it to flush the toilet.
1: So, so when you say they they look for twenty percent reduction, how do they enforce that? Do they actually check what you Our, use? Our water is metered. Right. Yeah. So does that so, mean when it gets to a certain point they turn it off, or do they just no, they, find you if you? Charge a huge. Piece.
2: I see. <laughs> right. I, we saw in the news last night, Sacramento, which is you know fifty miles from here, the middle of the state of California, uh, has the outdoor outdoor ban on watering. So basically they tell you your, your gardens are going to die.
1: Yeah. You know, quite that's that's yeah. how you save
2: 20%. I guess it turns out 50 to 60% of your water usage or more is, usually done for landscaping. So.
1: Well, I get—I guess that depends how landscape you are. If, you, if you've if you spent the money on, on nice landscaping, you are going to want to keep it watered regularly, which is, I always think it's insane. You go to Las Vegas, which is one of the driest places you can go to. I know. And the gardens are amazing. <laughs> you just and, see... and these fountains, you know... <laughs> You wonder how much
2: water is lost to evaporation in something like, you know, what's well, the, the, Bellagio, the, the volcano? And yeah. the or Bellagio. Or the, the Bellagio the where, yeah. Cause every yeah. Time,
1: presumably every time it sprays in the air, you're losing some of that water. We went Even to Dubai
2: and they have Dubai is sort of like Las Vegas without the gambling. Yeah. It's some of the biggest, the, the biggest and tallest and biggest of everything. And they had, they had copied the Bellagio fountain by the same guy, only larger. Right. And they're in the middle of the desert.
1: Well there they are desalinating the water by taking yeah. it out of the sea. And but they've got they've got the energy to do it.
2: They got the energy to do it. Gas was like thirty cents a yeah. gallon. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't care. We we saw a indoor skiing slope. So you're in the middle of the desert, yeah, and the shopping mall has a slope with a with a ski lift and you can go skiing indoors.
1: Well it's it's like in I've seen Las Vegas they have those um ice bars. Where the whole yeah. the whole room is frozen and it's everything's carved out of ice and it's in a just desert. like in a desert. <laughs> yeah it's just <laughs> I get that <laughs> in Sweden maybe yeah <laughs> I like... I know. <laughs> doesn't um doesn't anyway, at least that, at yeah, least so... yeah at least they've never built the ice hotel in uh, in Las Vegas. But, well, there's uh, the tech we
2: need. We need the tech to figure out. How
1: to well, see like, this is the thing. Where, oh, my company does a lot of work looking at here in the UK at remote metering. This is a smart metering is a big thing here now. So right. they are moving very quickly towards um, certainly smart metering of electricity. So the idea is, that. yeah. So, we so yeah, that. for gas and electric, we have smart. So, so the meter actually talks back to the electric company and the gas company. Is that how it does? Yeah, it's
2: this weird mystery. There was actually people who are afraid to take them. Okay. Because, you know, it doesn't hook to your Wi-Fi. So right. it has to get the signal back into, back to them somehow, and I believe the electric company here in California, at least the area we are, sends it back through the power lines.
1: You can do that if the power infrastructure is good enough, yeah, uh, and you've invested in the in the network technology. Um, uh, so our uh, gas meter yeah. has
2: a. They actually came out to the gas meter and they put this device over the, it literally attached to the gas meter where the meter's little spinny dials used to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it has the little spinny dial still on it, so they still spin, but it's larger, and it talks to the electric meter, and the electric meter talks. To the- uh,
1: right, so they're using the electric meter as the carrier to get everything out. Yes. Okay. And so yeah, we, so- can
2: look, yeah. we can log on to a website and look, see yesterday what we used for power by the hour.
1: Yeah, so, so that is um, that's a technology called ZigBee. Zigbee. which is I yeah think you're right. which is a um it's kind of like it, it's like a more intelligent version of bluetooth basically it's a, it's right. um but it's the difference between bluetooth is it is peer to peer so the idea is is that you could have loads of zigbee devices in an area and they'll all talk to each other over this short range radio and then they will find a network connection and send the well, I mean ah, very okay. small amounts of data then you send up but but fairly constantly
2: so really only one of the meters in an area has to have some kind of connection well the idea or, some, or something
1: the idea is they all do but then if, if one of them isn't working properly or there's a, a fault in the line or you know somebody's got a magnet near it or something <laughs> like that it doesn't matter because the data will still come in via somewhere else that's the only thing
2: I know about Zigbee is they there some of the home automation stuff I follow yeah. talks about using Zigbee because that's right uh, I use X10
0: mm-hmm. here
2: sadly. And it's as, you know, X10, right? It's as, yeah. it's as unreliable as ever, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, like 18 it's, offs and the flight finally goes off. It's, you know,
1: it's, it's very it's very old now, X10, isn't it? It's, yep. um, you know, it's quite, quite aged. A,
2: Insteon, Insteon, I don't know how I said that. That's the one that seems to have replaced it, uh, which I have here too. I've tried it. X10 was cool because you could have 256 devices and they're easily addressable, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody can remember A1 through Z16, okay? They go A1 through 16, B1 through – that's easy. The Insteon stuff, you just say, okay, this is married to that. And then that button now turns that light off. But there's no – nothing in your brain relates the first button on the thing to what lamp it turns off. You have to remember. Yeah,
1: I, I, that's kind of the thing that's always, I mean, there was a lot of buzz at CS a couple of weeks ago about uh, this, what they call the Internet of Things. You know, the fact that everything right. will talk to everything else. And what we were talking about with those meters is kind of the first step of that, really. Now, for the meters, sure. it makes sense because you have real, you, real world data that you want to get back from those devices. And ultimately, smart meters are going to be two-way so that the power company rather than have a brownout they can actually say well we're anticipating high demand so we're going to send a signal through um, through all these meters and that will talk from the meter to your refrigerator or your freezer and we will tell it to power down for half an hour to smooth out load and the idea behind that is that these things are you know a fridge or a freezer is so well insulated that you can turn it off for half an hour and you wouldn't even notice exactly and, and, and yet in, and yet that's half an hour when the compressor's not running which is a big saving in power exactly and yeah.
2: we have that in california as well for air conditioning yeah so it's i think it's a voluntary system at the moment but you yeah. can i think you get a discount if you allow it and they can tell your air conditioner to shut down or back down automatically
0: now that's, uh,
1: yeah and and that's uh, ultimately we need we're gonna as a, as a planet i think we're going to need to certainly in the western world with our large energy consumption we're going to need to be able to, to do that for everything you know i go to london and i go to canary Wharf, which is the um big skyscraper business district in okay. in london uh and you stay in a hotel there and you look out the window at, at three in the morning and all the skyscrapers all still have the lights on you know, there's no. So they there. don't
2: do motion sensing lights.
1: Well, uh, whoever fitted the buildings out <laughs> obviously looked at the cost of fitting out the floors with that and said, "Well, that's going to be 20% more than just having lights on all the time." Uh, normally, what happens with those sorts of commercial premises, I don't know, I don't know how this works where where you, where you've worked in the past, but what often happens is the landlord will give you the space, but they'll then expect uh. the tenant to actually fit it out. Yeah, to, their, right. to their personal requirements. And of course, that tenant, particularly if you're a, a bank who's used to giving huge bonuses to your staff and <laughs> having money you know, pouring out of every cupboard every time you open a door, um, don't think about saving energy. And so they just leave the lights on.
2: So even when I worked at Apple, now we're talking about... How long ago did I leave Apple? I do not even want to talk about it. Um, but way, I started Apple in the 80s. And I think in the early 90s, all Apple buildings had... We used to laugh about it. They used to have sensors in the ceiling that would turn the lights off in your area. Uh, and the air conditioning would go off, I think, around 8 o'clock at night. And there was these little red buttons you could go as you walk down the hall. You could tap them, and they would give you an hour of air conditioning in the area you were, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. But the lights would go off. So you're sitting in your cube, and you're working, and the lights would go off. And you'd have to like stand up and wave your arms. Yeah. The, the, and then the lights would come back on, and they'd stay on for thirty minutes, and then the, you'd be working again, and they wouldn't see any motion, and off they would yeah. go. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> but
1: may- they may- had yeah. Well, maybe those went again. Yeah. Maybe that's why some of these companies don't install those because of that annoyance factor if people are working late. But oh, it is
2: annoying. It was really annoying, and the problem is it requires like most motion sensors heat. Right. It's got to yeah. be a warm body moving. So, you know, people used to crumple up paper and throw them at them from their desk. But it doesn't do anything because it's not warm. There has to be warm motion. Yeah. And then now we've got Nest Once the I don't know if you've tried a Nest. Uh, uh, no, I, want, I, but, yeah. I want one, but they're too expensive. But they monitor your house. They monitor where you are, and they send that information out on the Internet back to Nest.
1: Yeah, which is now back to Google. <laughs> which is now back to Google, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we've all seen the jokes that were flying around when this was announced this week. For those who haven't heard, Nest is a company that was started by Tony Fidel, who was, he, he's colloquially known as the father of the iPod. He was very closely associated with the development of the original iPod at Apple. Uh, and he left Apple a few years ago, and he started Nest. And one of their first products was this um, very high-tech smart thermostat um uh, it kind of has a oled is it oled or something in display and yeah it's, it's it, is, it is Brilliant. i mean it is yeah it looks i mean you as you would expect from somebody associated with with the ipod you know i mean it's it's got a great industrial design um it's very functional it does you know the full smartphone integration on and all of that sort of stuff and nest has just been acquired by google this week for 3.6 billion dollars i think not 3.2 yeah. something yeah. like that yeah uh, and and that in itself is probably not so surprising because I think Google Ventures have been associated with this company right from the beginning. So it's not. Oh, they have. Okay. Did, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually yeah. looking at
2: their web page to see if yeah. it says.
1: So so it's not it's it's Yes, they have. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not like um you know, Google swept in from nowhere and grabbed this company up and it's certainly not a hostile takeover. I think um The Nest team were very happy for this to happen and uh, at the moment everybody's talking about the Nest effectively being owned by Google but continues to do its own thing rather than becoming a a subsumed into the Google ecosystem. So it's not one of these situations where um, hopefully Google just want to buy the talent and uh, just going to dump the products. But I I think it shows that that Google have an interest in this kind of um, smart devices concept because you know google wants to be everywhere and they also want data from everywhere um yeah I, I, but well yeah. that's the scary part so yeah um
2: and, so and, the, they have said in there i was trying to find the, the the new york times article on this where they quoted google as saying that nest would stand on its own and um they would not use that they promised not to change the privacy statements from nest which said they won't use your data for anything but improving, quote, their products. Now, of course, it's Google now, so their products mean all of Google's
1: products. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I saw – well, I made a joke myself on Twitter this week about, you know, oh, yeah, are you too cold? Turn the heat up. Uh, just just make sure you log in with the Google Plus account first. <laughs> right? Well, so
2: that's going to happen, right? So you'll be able to go to your Google account and turn down your heater. In fact, you can, you know, there's an iPhone app. If you haven't, if anybody hasn't played with this, go look online and take a look at it. It's a round knob. I mean, let's be honest. Thermostats are ugly. Every one I've ever seen on the wall is ugly. This is a round, a round black Imagine a, a round iPhone. That's the way I kind of describe uh, it.
1: Yeah, or or, it, or almost. I I when I first saw it, I thought it was inspired by the click wheel, even though it doesn't look by like the click, the click wheel, wheel. Yeah, but it and works. The wheel, and it, it works like a click wheel.
2: Yeah, it does turn on the outside. Yeah, and then inside, it's got a L- LCD display that that shows the t- temperature, and it, and as you turn it, it shows you a, a a gradient of where you are and where the temperature is, and how far you're changing it, and then it turns color. It's, it turns you know, red when it's heating and it turns blue when it's standby. And I think it hmm. turns green when it's cooling, or maybe it turns blue when it's cooling and green when it's standby. And you never touch it as you, after you set it, when you walk by, it will turn itself on. It has yeah. sensors to know you're there. So as you walk by it, it kind of comes on for a few minutes to show you the current temperature and setting. And then it slowly fades back off. It's, it's, it is one of the prettiest things I've ever seen for a thermostat. And, yeah. uh, and it, that t- sensor that monitors you keeps track of, of your, your patterns in the day and night. So it actually will turn itself back and forward. Right. So if it, if it sees no motion, it says, oh, you're not home anymore. And it turns itself down and it learns those patterns and actually anticipates that. So if it knows, for example, you leave for work every morning at 8 and you come back around 6 a- after a week or so of it learning, as you approach eight o'clock, it will just turn itself back, and as you as it gets close to you coming home, it will turn the heat back or cooling back to what you want, what you what you want for that time of year, as you come home. So you come home to your house being really nice, and it does all this, sending the information back to Google. So well, that's Google- the
1: thing, yeah. So all of a sudden, Google now knows where you are <laughs> and yeah. when you're home or when and you're home you're
2: not. when you're not. Home. Yeah, and that- they ha- they make now a a, a fire uh, a smoke alarm. That I thought was interesting because, it, will it talk to the nest and tell it to turn off the AC if a
1: fire starts? Yeah, well, I guess if a fire starts, you know, turning the air conditioning off is a, it probably at least your problem. No, no. It, it turns
2: out, it turns out you don't want to pump a lot of air into your house. You know. Oh,
1: I see. I see. Well, yeah, see, see, in in Britain, our houses, very few houses have uh, central air, so. Um, or even not... heating, you don't want to move yeah. the air, right? Right. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah. I
2: want, but what else? I mean, it's like I—I I don't know. Do you
1: have to? Have, are smoke detectors mandatory? They're terms? not. They're very strongly encouraged, but they're not mandatory. No.
2: So new buildings require them, and the code changes for them regularly. Yeah, well, yeah. Commercial now-
1: commercial buildings have to have them. Anything, any public building that has a, a public uh, that has people occupying it, yes, has to have a, a full sprinkler system, smoke alarm system. New homes have to have. But a home? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that homes do. Oh, so yeah. new homes now have to have them yeah. here, and right. the new
2: ones they talk to each other, which I don't get this because I've stayed in someone's house who has these. So if one goes off, they all go off. And you have to have one in every bedroom, in every major hallway, in the kitchen, in the living room. You, you have to have them everywhere.
0: Right. And they
2: have to be both AC powered and battery powered. Okay, So mm-hmm. we were in this guy's house and they were cooking in the kitchen and it set the smoke detector off and they all went off. And I was like, okay, so where is the smoke?
1: <laughs> well, no, I think, I think the idea is that the alarm goes off and then you're expected to vacate the property. Rather than trying to try and track the to find, find out where the smoke
2: is. But but so the nest one is now smarter, right? I guess right. They, they they all go off, but they tell you they somehow let you know where the smoke is and where where to avoid. So and they want to do a bunch more. So this is I think Google took them because they want to do more devices. Right. I yeah. think that's the real reason for Google owning these companies.
1: I, I th- the, the this there's two uh, obviously the privacy concern, the the you know what Google does with that data is is one thing and I would imagine the market would decide if, if they tried to tie some of their more egregious service models like the Google Plus thing to these devices that people would just say, well, we don't want them and they, the sales would drop off. So I'm not too worried about that. The fact okay. that they're, they're collating data in the background and, and kind of doing that whole metadata thing that the NSA does concerns me. And, and I think what what we as the as the the buying public need to think about these services now is is what Snowden has taught us about the power of this metadata and the fact that you know we we're very upset that the NSA has been doing it, especially those of us outside the US who are apparently much more of a target than you guys are. <laughs> um, but but we we should be more we should be just as concerned when private companies are doing it because they're completely unregulated and they know a heck of a lot about us and. Let's even if you think, oh well, you know, I don't care if Google knows what I do, and the other thing, well, all that stuff is is subject can be subject to subpoena at any time. You know, who knows when that information might be used against you in the future? So, oh, yeah. um, so that there's that well, aspect that of wasn't
2: it. Wasn't that the big thing with Apple's phones collecting where you were?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. This, this, let's face it. Anything that you, the point is, we all want to be informed about what data is being collected and how it might be used and i think we need to be more informed and much more aware of that than, than perhaps we we have been in the past but the other thing that concerns me about um ab- about this kind of line of product generally and, and i i'll be interested in your perspectives as an x10 user is we're going to end up in a situation where we're not careful with this Internet of Things stuff where. Our homes and our lives are beginning can become insanely complicated. Oh because agree, we have agree. so many things to manage. You know, and some people just well, most I think most people probably don't wanna do that. They don't wanna they don't want their fridge telling them, you know, oh it looks like you've this is out of date, you've got to throw it out. They certainly don't <laughs> want their fridge uh placing a grocery order on their behalf, which is what well, some, of th- some of these guys I, are the talking about is- they're doing.
2: Do they or do they not? I mean, I, I think there are, you know, you and I take it from a perspective of someone who's a little older saying, do I really want my refrigerator calling Safeway or one of the grocery stores and saying, Owen's oh, out of milk, and then and then having an uh, Android drone <laughs> go to milk to my front door, right? You yeah. Know, I, but there's some people probably love that. I worked. I spent some time at MIT when I was much younger. And, and I've been back there to to see some of their work and they have the the kitchen of tomorrow where as you take things out of the refrigerator the refrigerator knows it and it doesn't order the groceries but what it does is you go to your smartphone and you hit a button and you get a list of things you need to buy now I like that but you're right do I want do I want google to know what I used out of my refrigerator last night no well I, and, I and I think there's a,
1: there's a 98% amount of the population who actually no interest, have no interest in their fridge knowing anything about their eating habits. Yeah, you're probably very right. You know, whatever. and the, yeah. the problem is, is if you scale that up, everybody's doing these as point solutions. Even Nest are doing this with their thermostats and whatever. Okay, they're to- getting their products to talk to each other, but they're not going to talk to anything else. And then you've got, you've got your smart meter, and that's doing the utility thing, but it, it might not. It, so it's only going to sort to other devices for maybe powering them on and off for, for the utility thing reason. So you're going to end up with loads and loads of vertical solutions in your home. And it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on. And they all And they're going to
2: interfere with each other.
1: They, well, yeah. And they all need management. They all need you to think how do I want to set this up? How do I want well, my boiler to work? How do I want my fridge to work? How do I want my stove to work? How do I want my microwave to talk to my stove? How do I right. want you know my th- everything to use my internet oh, yeah. connection and and all of the- and all of a sudden we're in this kind of this uh you know nineteen eighty four type nightmare where we're being driven by all of this stuff we have around us to to make decisions. And all you're doing all the time is making decisions. Do I I want this? Do I want that? You know, I just want to live my life without all this stuff. I just watched Colossus
2: yesterday. Do you remember
1: the movie Colossus? Uh huh. So
2: Colossus, the Forbidden Project, is about the U.S. builds a massive computer that they build into a mountain and then they seal it into the mountain so they can't get back to it. And uh, it's designed to self-repair, but it grows instead. And it 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 is connected to all the missiles. In the United States, and they're giving the computer the control so they don't have to make the decision. And the computer immediately threatens uh, them to do what it wants them to do, and it fires a missile at Moscow to show that it's serious. Yeah. And of course, Moscow has the same computer and it fires a missile back. And, you know, basically they become under the control of the computer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the typical sci fi nightmare. But you make a very good point. When Zigbee first came out, I remember seeing it at, at trade shows where they talked about, well, you're when you turn your dishwasher on, it will tell your refrigerator to roll back. So you don't use extra power. And I just, I like you, I envision this nightmare where they all want to be, I, I mean, I have X 10 and like I said, and it's a pain in the butt lights go on sometimes and they're not supposed to, or off. Uh, it gets interference from God knows what. And they're all in in the United States. We have this thing. The FCC says these devices must accept interference and can't give interference. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, yeah I mean it's my wife was ready to kill me at times when lights <laughs> used to just go off on their own uh, because something something else interfered with an X10 and it turned a light in the kitchen off right
0: mm-hmm.
2: so yeah I worry about it myself. It's like how complex is your house going to get and how are you going to manage it
0: I, I mean so this, I have to I yeah. have to
2: add one thing on right. this note yesterday the California Public Utilities Commission rejected the investigation to update wireless privacy. So there's this whole, the state regulators have been looking at this thing about what data does the, the smartphone collect and what do they do with that data? And they voted three to two to not care.
1: That doesn't sound good.
2: It doesn't sound good. No. And they had a quote from this one woman saying, well, you know, if you think your phone is recording something from you, you should let us know and we'll continue to listen. You know, the public has told us this is important to them. So if the public has <laughs> told them yeah. this is important, why, why would they, do they nothing not to continue to do anything about it? Uh, they were going to uh, the last date of the update. According to this thing, I'm looking at the privacy rules go back to 1986.
1: Yeah, Do we have when, cell phones in 86? Uh Barely, they certainly. No, we certainly right. Yeah, we didn't have all of this these concerns back then. And uh, so back would... back then, they were all they were worried about was somebody putting your name in a in a in a database somewhere by hand by typing it in from a piece of paper. Yeah, that was the scale of the problem in 1986. So, the, uh, so yeah, this
2: one group said uh, many customers don't realize they are being tracked and certainly aren't being given a choice. The majority of the members of the PUC are burying their heads in the sand and blissfully ignorant of the reality of privacy violations by phone companies, and this goes right to what you just said.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's a re- it, it's a real concern. Um, it I surprised think this, me that California couldn't figure it out. You know, it's like
2: <laughs> the rest well, of the world is doomed.
1: <laughs> you'd suggest you'd you'd think that maybe that's because because that's where Silicon Valley is and where a lot of these companies are based. Maybe that's where they lobby. Uh,
0: maybe. A little lobbying, you mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and you know, funding of candidates and what have you is uh, is always gonna drive those decisions, unfortunately.
2: It said the Unity Reform Network and Privacy Rights Clearinghouses asked the PUC to write new standards for how telephone companies collect, handle, and share customer information from smartphones. Hmm. So You know, I know Apple has backed up a couple times because they've sort of been slapped. When that, like the one I talked about earlier, it used to you used to be able to look at your phone and and tell exactly where you've been, and uh, yeah. there was a website that came up that you could plug your phone into, and it would translate all the data and give That's you a right. map, yeah. and show yeah. you yeah. your path, and like, whoa, that was a little scary.
1: But but you know what, the thing is, is that Apple got slapped down for that, but of course the cell phone company knows where you've been. Yep. <laughs> by by, or perhaps not on quite as close a resolution, but they know, and the the yeah. phone. The phone still collects that data because yep. it just doesn't send it back to Apple now, um, because well, I know I know that Apple when I keep it. yeah well, I know that when I got iOS seven, um, obviously that had the updated maps application on there, um, and uh, new notifications and all that sort of stuff. And uh, a few weeks after I I was. Um, Uh, after I'd installed it on my phone, I was driving home and I got a notification on my phone that's on a cradle saying, oh, there's traffic. There's traffic on your way home. Do you want an alternate route? (laughs) I I looked at it. I I did this double take. Now, don't get me... That was kind of cool. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what you wanted for. But the point is, at the same time, it was a little bit scary because I'd not asked it to do that. And obviously, part of what, ios 7 does is it keeps an eye on where you're going it figures out where you're well obviously it knows where your home is because it knows where your home wi-fi is and all of it that it figures going, out right. where you're going it's, so this is a journey you're making in the morning in the evening therefore it's probably your your uh, travel route to home and i can see that there's traffic there do, do you want an alternate route but well, it was you know, co- we, years ago
2: there was a company called dash that i did some work with and it was an on you know a dash dash mounted navigator and it was one of the first ones to have a uh, GSM modem in it. So it was online and it was indeed sending its information about your information about what you're driving back to dash. And they use that to update real time live traffic. So in the United States, and I don't know what it's like where you are, there are sensors in roads, the major mm-hmm. roads yeah, that they can me- measure the traffic speed, mm-hmm. but not in the little roads. Yeah. Too expensive. But I would like, you know, people around me, because I, I knew people who had dashes. You know, we were a part yeah. of this big test when we were trying to do it. I could see the traffic up this up my own street because someone with a dash had just driven yeah. up there, and I'm they pretty, did the yeah. same thing. I'm pretty they sure they "Oh, uh, don't go that way. Yeah. Don't go that way. It's it's blocked up."
0: I'm and pretty thought, sure. I'm pretty really
1: yeah, pretty sure that most of the TomTom Tom navigators do that now. They, yeah, the same sort of in, thing. They up. they send data back to TomTom Tom and then. TomTom updates over the air, all their other devices say, well, this is, you know, better resolution traffic data than, um, so this but is a thing... great use of the data. I love this, but well, the, it is, dealers? but again, it's what else they're doing with it. Who else has access right. to that data? I think that's, that's questions we need to ask.
2: So do but... you have, um, London has a thing, if I remember that you, you have to have a transponder to drive downtown and you can be charged. Well, we, different... it's,
1: in fact, it's not a transponder. It's not that sophisticated. Um, oh okay because they it's it's called a congestion charge zone and yeah right. around the around the city of london they wanted to put a, an area where they charge you to drive every day a toll to try and reduce the amount of traffic in london so what they have is is and they have a, every road that enters and exits this zone and that's a lot of roads around london um yeah. or at the edge of the zone has um number plate recognition cameras so each vehicle that wow. enters or exits the zone during the uh, the charging time is identified. And then you have, at some point during the day, you have to um, go uh, contact them or go online or something and pay your daily charge of £5, ah, okay. £10. I was curious
2: how it worked yeah. there. Because yeah. yeah. in, the, and... in, in our area, we have transponders, We have these things that pay your bridge toll. Yeah. But they do a little more than that. So you drive down the freeway here in... Uh, the freeways because we don't pay for them, right? Yeah. In California, and there, there's there's these big signs, LED signs that'll say, uh, "From that where you are to the San Francisco Airport is 15 minutes." And you ask, "Well, how do they know?" Well, it turns out these transponders—they call them fast track. Okay, mm-hmm. are, you are required to have them if you want to use the free the the fast lanes on the bridge. I mean, that you don't yeah. stop to pick tolls or anything. Boom, you go through. But yeah. they track them everywhere you go, and they use that data. So they'll see, like if, say, you're driving, David, from downtown San Francisco and you go to the airport and you have one of these transponders in your car, they know how long it took you to get there. And they aggregate all that data and say, here's the average time it took cars to get there, so here's how long it takes. Mm-hmm. And you can go on to a website, 511.org, and you can look at a map and see the traffic speeds on all the roads and how long it takes to get between spaces. yeah. Um, yeah. Just by doing that. And in fact, not only that, you can dial a phone number and ask them. Yeah. They have an automated phone number with a voice recognition system, which is awful, that you can say traffic conditions and it will tell you where accidents are based on these transponders and sensors in the road.
1: Now, it's possible to architect a system like that so the, the, there's no privacy concerns obviously each, claim? Yeah, each claim transpond, yeah each transponder yeah each transponder has a unique id but they can design yes. the system so it captures the transponder uh stores the relevant information it requires and then dumps the personalization part of it that's um, what to give do. to give the aggregate data however there's always a concern that in fact parts of the system aren't that well designed and in fact there is logs or or something somewhere that people can access I, or a some, few yeah programmer yeah (laughs) exactly a cut now a couple of years ago um people may know that the uk is one of the most heavily surveilled um countries in the world we have i didn't know that okay we have a very very high concentration of cctv cameras um and unlike many places a lot of the cctv we have here is public public government funded cctv it's run by the local council or it's run by the transport system or that sort of thing as well as obviously every single private organization for security purposes will have some cctv cameras but because you've got a lot lot of public cctv um that means that you, you really don't go very far without being seen on cctv somewhere um, and obviously that is information that can be accessed by the police, not online, but they can go in and access that information. as Well, well one of your crimes. Crimes.
2: always talk about that, right? They always, yeah. they always say, yeah. where did he go? And they look where at the Where did he go? And, and you'll often, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Now, a, a couple of years ago, I went to visit a uh, police force here and um, I was shown their um, number plate recognition camera system. So basically, what they've done is they've hooked themselves into the uh, all the public CCTV operated by the local authority across their city. Okay, I'm not going to say which city this is because uh, you know. <laughs> this, well, no, just because the nature of the, okay. of the visit is such that I can't really say Uh, who it is or whatever you know this was private police property but um they're hooked into the um all the cctv across the city all the public cctv and they have a system running in their control center that can do number plate recognition via cctv Uh, not only can it do number plate recognition it can identify make model color of vehicles too probably tell how many
2: people are inside of it as well right
1: Uh, Not well. Some, some, in some circumstances. Obviously, it depends on the angle of of the camera. And let's face it, these cameras weren't designed to do this specifically. They weren't set up for the police. They are just (coughs) kind of hooking onto it. So, um, what they showed me was the fact that because all the data comes into one place on this system, how powerful it was. Because they can see uh, suspect vehicles travel across the city. They can track them. They can.
2: Yeah. Well that uh, if, I watched if, Sherlock. is isn't yeah. that coming out? Isn't that a? Yeah, yeah. First? That's just. And yes. they they talk about that all the time. How they can track a car and know where it's gone, right?
1: Absolutely, and they can track it via the CCTV systems. So, um, they can do that if they have. Uh, and while I was there, they basically there was this information scrolling up on the screen all the time, kind of like you see in a movie, you know, where there's constant scrolling list. And this scrolling list was what they call vehicles of interest. So these were vehicles uh, that they suspected were untaxed, uh, uninsured, or perhaps had been reported as used in a crime or were reported stolen. And, and this, this was just happening automatically. As these cars are driving past these cameras, nobody knows about it. And effectively, they can decide, they can task a particular report <coughs> and they can invect a police officers to that. And they showed me some tapes of them apprehending drug uh, drug runners... You know, um, these guys were just, <laughs> they just sat in traffic. They pull up a traffic light and all of a sudden, five cops come out of nowhere and nick them, you know, and these guys have no idea how it happened. They could they, you know, so we, they were getting data from other forces. Oh, you know, we've seen a red vehicle with uh, X, XJT in the number plate. Can you keep an eye out for that? Because we suspect it might be involved in a robbery and that, that would be flagged up on the system and they can then send a copper to go and look at it. Even even more interesting than that was they said they had a series of crimes where um, guys were, were this guy was basically um, late in the afternoon was going to vulnerable people like old people or uh, infirm people uh, people with mental disabilities and everything he would knock on the door and he would present fake credentials that said he was there to read the meter or to okay. uh, from the council something like that and he would break in and he would um, he would rob them. Uh, of often with violence, yeah. So he'd hit yeah. them around a bit to keep them quiet, and then you would rob the house. Okay. Obviously, these are vulnerable people, not really great witnesses, um, not really able to give uh, good descriptions. And also, these these people are very very upset by what's happened. They're shot by upset. They're not really. Um, they're, gonna, they're not going to be helpful in apprehending this guy. And there was a whole string of them right across the city. And they caught him using this system, because the only consistent fact they got from uh, a few of the witnesses, uh, a few of these victims, was that the guy turned up outside the house in a generic white van. Oh. Right? So they, but they, so they had for the van in the.: They area. had the time oh. of the crime, and they had wow. a white van. So what they did is, uh, once they had three or four crimes, is they drew a circle around the, the uh, victim's house of about half a mile. And then they asked the system, you know, within thirty minutes of this time, give me the number plates of all the white vans that were in those areas. And they and got they look for the ones that were the same. They in, got in they got them. four vehicles that matched. Wow! Right, and that obviously it was then a simple matter to go and speak to the owners of those four vehicles. And yeah, they found the guy. Wow! Now, now I know this, yeah, yeah, where, that's a, that's where a I great. Live, by
2: the way, they're putting in cameras at every intersection.
1: Yeah, yeah. City now that's is... yeah. That's now, a great. That- that's yeah. That's a great crime-solving story, and that's exactly not what red, you want this technology for. Yeah, so it I think is.
2: Oakland wants to do the same thing. Yeah, but the not problem light we have red light cameras. Yeah. They're talking about just surveillance cameras at every intersection.
1: The downside of that, though, is that the governance of that becomes really important. Because what happens if it's not trying to solve a crime for vulnerable people? Well, what happens if it's a disgruntled cop who's trying to see whether his wife's having an affair? Or I was thinking uh- more than that. What if? <laughs> it's-
2: what if it's checking to see if you cheated on your income tax? Exactly. Well, yeah. You know, what it, you know, What about... You say, you say yeah. on your income tax, you know, you had this trip across town to meet with a client, and then they look and go, well, we don't see your car driving across yeah. town at that time. You know, I mean, how far do they take that?
1: This, This is the, you know, we are kind of sleepwalking into this big brother state. And if the controls aren't right then this data can be – the data can be used for good or for ill. Or it can be abused. Well, now let's
2: take it a step further.
1: So everybody
2: – if Google has their way, everybody's going to be wearing Google glasses, which means they're all recording – did you read Snow Crash? The, this, yeah. The, yeah. Do you remember everybody wore – what did they call them? Show Me Glasses or something? I can't yeah. remember the name of the glasses. Uh, uh, or View. I can't remember what they were called. They had a funny name. But they all wore glasses that recorded. And I thought Google Glasses, that's really right from that – but they were also, you know, they would say, "Oh, a crime took place," and they would access everybody who was in the area and look at their glasses to see who they could find.
0: Yeah, yeah you know. I and mean,
2: now, today, they the police have access to um, cameras in uh, these intersection cameras that you're talking about that they're showing mm-hmm. up everywhere. But they also have access to all the cameras in ATMs. Yeah, which are taking pictures all the time, so they see people who walk by, and it's it is a little frightening, a little Big Brother ish, that to know that. That they know where you are. So I'm going to go back to this transponder I told you we have. They gave everybody who gets one a mylar bag. Mm -hmm. So they said if you don't want it to be part of this aggregate speed check, and they they promise you they won't send you a ticket, which I think is very funny as well. Yeah. You know, because think about it. If I drive very fast from my house to San Francisco Airport, and they go, "Oh look, Owen's transponder got there in 23 minutes. He must have been doing 85." Yeah, right. No. That's, the, that's the only they'll know. And then I get a ticket. Yeah. So they promise that won't happen, but they give you a Mylar bag and I tell you, put it in the bag and put it in your glove box. And
1: then it mm. won't track. You. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I was at a trade show a couple of years ago, and um, the second generation of speed cameras. Uh, I know that that speed radar guns uh, cameras aren't a big thing in the states, but they are oh, here. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, well, they are. I know, I know, I know. They've they they started, and then they got pushed back, and now they're starting to come back again. But they they yep. they're a big thing here. Now the 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 second generation sets are ones that measure you uh, again using number plate recognition measure you between two points and obviously right. if you if you go too fast and you turn up too soon then they know you're going too fast they said that a ticket. actually
2: is considered in tra- that's considered a speed trap in the united states and it's not yeah. legal
1: right okay well, well it, they it are, turns out yeah. measuring
2: between two points don't ask me why that's yeah. considered illegal right well so well, it he, used to be they measure yeah. your your speed from an aircraft it was thrown out because they would time you between two points. Right. Now the aircraft has to pace you. I say, right, I see. How does aircraft
1: pace you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so, so um, those are legal here, and um, not. It was probably a couple of years after they they started appearing. They're particularly used on they got used on ways because they were, um they you know they work pretty well if you've got um, a long straight distance between the two points. Um, it was found out that actually if you change lane between the two points, the camera didn't see you, <laughs> right? So, so, so we so, get stopped here yeah.
2: by uh, sensors in the road. Mm-hmm. So they, um, or they'll put a truck, like a plain white van. So you said with the camera and the radar, a radar sensor in the back. Yeah. And uh, my lifeguard took it the other day. This was at a red light. They, they accused her of running a red light. And what she got was a uh, an email with a link in it. When she clicked on the link, there's a view from her car from behind, a view from her car from the side, a view from her car from the front, a close-up of her behind the wheel, a close-up yeah. of her license number. Okay. Then they said, "This was you. You ran yeah. this red light." Okay. And we looked at the video and went, "Actually, she didn't. She stopped and made a right turn." So we went and fought it. But uh, I looked at that and went, "Holy crap!" you know yeah. they they have these things all over the place and not just for red lights but for speeding
1: yeah bus lanes so more, more I, of them. yeah here here we have them for bus lanes so if you if we have lanes that are dedicated for uh, yes, uh, street buses lights, uh, and yeah. yeah and if you if you go in those lanes at the wrong times they they normally have a camera on there and they'll send you a ticket but going back <laughs> to these point these point to point cameras at this trade show, I saw the company who who manufactures and install these, and they okay. were talking about the next generation. They say the the first generation were dumb, you know, they were only connected to each other. They said the the new ah. ones the new ones now a they they are um, they're connected to each other on the same pole. So if you change lane, that doesn't help you. But they said they all talk to each other. So if you if you have a network of these across a the town,
2: oh man,
1: you could get a ticket. Be, by coming into the town, speeding in the town, and then coming out the other side over as, you know, 10, 15 miles, they'll know. And they will you know that know at some point you speeded.
2: You want to know where this is done? So, in near Washington, in, in a city called Dulles, um, they have a road that goes to the airport.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then in the center of the road are two lanes each direction that are express lanes specifically going to the airport, and they're free. Outside, there are two more lanes. On the outside of each lane, that are the local roads that you pay a toll. So if you're mm-hmm. coming in yeah. that direction, you're going to a building, you go down the outside lanes because you can't get off the inside lanes. When you're going to the airport, yeah. it only goes to the airport. But And then if you're coming out of the airport, you get to drive that road for free, and there are exit areas where you can exit for free and not pay the toll. So what people were doing is they were shooting down the express lane because it had no traffic on it. Yeah, looping around the airport. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, coming out the other side and getting off. So not only would they go faster, but they would avoid the toll. So they put cameras at the entrance to exit and exit of the airport. And they Mm -hmm. did license plate recognition. And if your car went in and out of the airport too quickly, they sent you a ticket. Because yep. the only reason for ever doing that would be to avoid the toll. So, they, this is the same kind of thing. They had all these yeah. cameras and they would see where you were in the airport and when you entered and exit. And if it was too quick, you got a ticket. And I think that that's exactly sort of sounds like what you guys are talking about. It's uh, like,
1: absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, it's, they know uh, you
2: go across London too quickly, they'll send you a ticket, not knowing how fast you went, just
1: knowing you had to be exceeding the speed limit. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. that's exactly it. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a scary time in some ways. I mean, this is the application, this technology for um, notionally good purposes. But as we've seen with the NSA, is if you if you can self-justify yeah. to do something for in the interests of national security or catching terrorists or anything, you can kind of talk yourself into doing whatever 84. whatever the heck you want. If it's, it's possible, we can yeah. do it. Right. Yeah, and that yeah, that's we, what
2: that's the concern. I'm guessing transponders are probably illegal in cars in London. And they uh, used to be illegal here, and they got a special waiver for these toll collectors. They companies.
1: they are talking about bringing them. They'd like to they'd like to bring in national road pricing here. So instead of paying a, a tax every year to run your car on the road, they'd like to uh-huh. uh, they'd like you to pay per mile, and that would obviously involve fitting a transponder to everybody. Um, well, That, did, used, that didn't go down very enough. well when it was suggested by the government. By the way,
2: yeah, this so these were used for the bridge tolls, and people loved them because then you. Yeah. You go through the quote fast track lane. Yeah. You just zip through. Now you'll love this. Speaking about license plate recognition, they don't always work, okay. Yeah. You know they have a battery in them. They're gonna go dead. So I was driving my car once and I forgot to put the I forgot to put the thing back in the car, mm-hmm. and I went zipping through the, the toll lane, and I didn't get a ticket, and I was like, now why didn't I get a ticket? Then I get my statement at the end of the month, and you know, and it says transponder number, transponder transponder number, license plate number.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: there, when you go through the toll booth they take a picture of your car and they look at the license plate. And if you don't have a transponder and you're in the wrong lane and your license plate isn't registered to a transponder, you get a ticket. But they were able to cross-reference my license to a transponder and just assume it didn't work Yeah. and, and pay the toll. And I thought, if they can do that with license plate recognition, why do I need the transponder? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they already have a way of doing this. They do, that's, so I'm, that's just, strong, I'm yeah.
2: wondering if it's not an automated system. I'm wondering if they have to do it by hand.
1: Well maybe or maybe it's just developed. Maybe when it was designed. It yeah, it would I mean obviously they'd like to get rid of the transponders because that's an overhead. They're expensive. Yeah. The, but and, then they uh, use them
2: for all sorts of other things. Like I can now yeah. if I go to the airport, San Francisco Airport, there is a transponder lane at the at the parking garage. So you just drive into it and the gate opens and you go in and when you leave the airport you there's a transponder lane. You drive out, it opens the gate, your transponder beeps a display lights up as you're going out that shows you how much your charge was. And on your statement at the end of the month, they charge you what it cost to park. And mm-hmm. they're doing that in a number of parking lots. Yeah. So, and I suspect to see them in other places, you know mm-hmm. uh, that they'll start using these transponders. So there's, they do some good, but like you, I, I worry that there's a log somewhere that says everywhere I've driven, you know, in the last year.
1: Yeah. It's uh, so, so the, you remember that um Sandra Bullock movie, the net,
2: the net, yes, I
1: yeah, love that, so which which that. which at, at the time people thought was some sort of weird Hollywood fantasy, and certainly <laughs> you know wasn't technically capable. I and mean, that's kind of where we're getting to now. So when they changed uh, their ID, yeah, they, that, yeah that was, they,
2: and they tracked you through all those cameras and exactly,
1: yeah. and credit cards and all that sort of thing. Let's take a break for a minute. Uh, we'll we'll play an ad, uh, and then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, medical technology. Here we go curious about Nintendo? Well, check out the Nintendo Club Podcast. This podcast is done twice a week. We dive into all things Nintendo. We dive into retro. We dive into current games, what we're playing,
2: what cool Nintendo news is going on. Check it out here at the Spotlight Network, the Nintendo Club Podcast. We broadcast this live out every Sunday evening starting at
1: 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the nintendoclubpodcast.com website for more information. Okay. So we're back. Uh, and, uh, yeah, medical technology. I've been, I mentioned to you just before we started recording. That's a great uh, ad. It was um, almost like it wasn't there. I don't know it just, just <laughs> skip right by. Yeah. <laughs> um, the magic of podcast editing. Um, so yeah, I, over the, uh, as regular listeners show will, will know over, over Christmas, I had some, uh, diabetes problems and I got, I had a lot of medical complications that, that came from the fact that my, uh, my uh, blood sugar went completely out of whack. And this Ow. only became, I only became aware of this because of these symptoms. And I went to the doctor and they did a blood test. Uh, and uh, a week after I did the blood test, they uh, sent me a letter saying, come in, you need to talk to us. So after that, I decided that I needed to be monitoring my blood sugar regularly. My, my diabetes is the type where you don't take insulin it's the type where you basically just have to watch Imagine how it. much yeah you you have to watch how much sugar you eat because your body makes insulin but can't respond to the you have cells in your in your um, stomach that kind of see how much insulin is in your blood and and, and respond to your blood sugar accordingly um, wow. and so those what happens with type 2 diabetes which is what i have is those cells, those cells aren't as sensitive as they should be so and they call it insulin resistance so basically your your um endocrine system does not respond properly to the insulin you have and therefore doesn't store your blood sugar or regulate your blood sugar properly so interesting te- yeah
2: to what we were just talking about isn't there the, the the monitors in your in your stomach aren't talking to the rest of your system exactly yeah <laughs>
1: they're just not sensitive enough so um so that that's kind of the mechanism, and um, I take some some medication that's meant to help with that. And what came out of this this blood result was that that medication needed to be massively increased, which they did. But okay. I decided that um, I would start testing my blood regularly, so I could actually keep an eye on this. So I didn't want this to happen again. the The complications I had, my I my vision went very bad. I couldn't see. Oh yeah, I, you it's, know I got I got I got it's... I went really short sighted, so I was really struggling to see. Uh, I got a whole load of really weird skin infections and all sorts of stuff. Oh. It was it was it was unpleasant. So yeah, so yeah. I started doing this, and and I was aware that, you know, that people who use these blood glucose meters, I was not aware what these things are like now. This this thing I got, it was I mean that they're, they're cheap. Over here, they're cheap because they kind they of sell them, them away on,
2: free in a lot of. They things.
1: sell them on the razor blade model. You know, the idea is you need regular, you need regular stuff to make them work. You need these testing strips that has the right. um, the, the chemicals on that actually does the the thing. And that's the uh, that's like the razor blades. Those are the things that are expensive. And obviously, you have to keep buying those. So the the units are cheap. They'll send you free batteries. They'll send you free cases. They'll send you all this sort of stuff because they want you to buy the the medic the 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 medical bit, which is the testing strips, but I tell you, this thing I got—it—it was—it's one step away from being a, um, a medical tricorder from Star Trek. It is what amazing. So the one, one, one I have touch? is the one I have is yeah, it's called the AccuCheck One Touch Mobile.
2: Yeah, it's um, and, really
1: they're pretty amazing. So, so the, you anybody who's ever seen these things will probably be aware that you kind of, most of them you have to put like a strip in. So you put you you have a you have to prick your finger. You put a little drop of blood on the strip, and then you feed this into the bottom of the machine. This one I have doesn't do that. This one has all the stuff built into it, kind of like in a cartridge. So you don't have to carry anything with you. You don't. It's all self-contained, and this is what makes it extremely cool. Has a Uh, adjustable finger pricker on the side, you adjust it so it just pricks your finger, you barely even feel it, and squeeze out a lot of blood. They need
2: much less blood than they used to. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely, just a tiny drop of blood. Uh, And then you open up the bottom of the sheen, and uh, basically this one has all the testing paraphernalia on a cassette that goes in the back. Oh, cool. So every every time you turn it on, the say I'm going to test it, kind of winds the cassette onto the next test and presents it at the bottom. Just as a kind of a, it does kind of look like an old cassette tape, and you just put the drop of blood on there, and then within about three seconds, it gives you the results. Not only that, obviously everything's built into the machine; it stores all that data. You plug you plug the machine into your computer, um, and and then like it USB. actually. Yeah, via USB, and then it has a, effectively a mini web server built in, so you can actually access <laughs> reports and everything via a web browser off directly off the the tester. the first will be Bluetooth.
2: I... will be soon, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs>
1: but the thing is, is that is that even even with that, when I took like, I it printed me reports, graphs, all the actual raw wow. data and everything on about four or five sheets of paper, I took that into my doctor. And he, was, he, he said, where did you get all this from? This is great. You know, i would not That's, seen fantastic. it before. And it had all wow. the trend lines and everything. So he was able to see immediately that over a week, week and a half, my blood sugar was coming down on an average. And then he said, oh, here and here. He said that night, did you have something sweet as a snack like mid <laughs> mid evening because it spiked up and I went oh yeah and that was the night we were out there and that was the night I was at the pub and I had a couple of pints to eat uh, to, to drink and, and he says well you want to watch that because that's got sugar in so the the level of data I was getting from this was amazing and it really clinically improved that discussion with my doctor and that's it's easy the other the great thing about this unit as well is because it's all built into one I can just stick it in my bag if I'm traveling you know, any anywhere I, I am, I can have it in my pocket. You know, this thing is smaller than an iPhone. I am assuming you know. the
2: cassette, when it winds, the little blood sample goes back into the cassette. So it, you, now it's also safe because you can just exactly. take the cassette and throw it away, right?
1: Exactly, and and obviously that's the bit you get on your prescription. So that's the bit that costs the money, and it's actually for for what it's doing. I don't think it's that expensive. I think it's about it's about twenty five pounds, so about thirty five dollars for fifty tests. Wow, that's so not that's a a 50 tests on the cassette. So um, now, you know, I'm being type 2. Now that I've got my blood sugar under control, I'm not testing four times a day As I'm, only, I'm, yeah. I'm only testing once a day or or even less than that doctor actually said to me said if you want you don't need to test at all unless you feel a bit unwell or unless you're worried about something you've eaten you know but actually i i want to keep an eye on it i want to keep that log so i know kind of where i am you know
2: what well, helps but, you monitor yourself too i get that i mean you, yeah. I, my degree in in college was biomedical I, you know i'm right. an engineer biomedical engineering and I, I'm, all, I'm amazed that, you know, I was in the 70s. Okay. You know, we were, yeah, we were, I was working on optics, things that, that did with work with the eye. But like today, I, I'm asthmatic. So mm-hmm. I have to watch my O2 levels, my blood levels. And today I have a little gadget about the size, I don't know how to describe, about the size of an eraser. You just clip yeah. it into your finger. Yeah. And it tells it, you your heart rate and your oxygen
1: levels. It's like a, it's like a little electronic clothes peg, isn't it? It just yeah. goes over the end and of your you finger. You
2: put it over the end of your finger, and, it, and in, in 10 seconds, it, it, sh- it blinks to show you your heart rate. It shows you, yeah. and then it puts a number up that says, here's how many beats per minute your heart is, and here's your your, your saturated O2 level. Yeah. And it does it simply by shining an infrared and red LED through your finger, and my understanding is they're trying to figure out how to do the same thing to measure glucose levels.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the other so thing, as they, as in the
2: yeah. Future, now you just clip it over your finger and wait, wait 30 seconds and it measures it by, by optically looking at the blood and, and, yeah. and measuring transparency or something.
1: So uh, to bring the conversation around full circle, I saw a news report this morning. Um, and obviously I've been up longer than you have because uh, I'm in the UK, it's the <laughs> afternoon here and it's early in the morning yes, for you, so you won't have seen this yet. So Google has announced that they are working on a contact lens that measures blood glucose.
2: Wow, okay.
1: Okay, so the idea is, is that the contact lens sits in your eye and it can measure your glucose levels from the um, glucose in the, uh, in the liquid in your eye. And so it's a contact lens that has a double layer with a couple of electrodes oh, in and some intelligence, wow. yeah? Now, now two, that's really two? cool. Oh, well, it's very cool. As an engineering um, experiment and an idea, I love it. But again, it's Google. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? <laughs> so now I go on my Gmail, and it's going to try and sell me an insulin meter <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, because they know. It's great.
2: Yeah. It's, going pop up ads. it's going to pop up ads for insulin yeah you're right it's, uh, yeah that's right or they, or they were also announced a while back maybe it wasn't google there was someone announced um the next phase of google glasses is in the eye is in a contact lens yeah right so that you pop this thing in your eye and it can have a display on it It can have yeah. organic leds which yeah. you know do their own light and they can be focused properly so you know you're right back into the science fiction movies now. where You're walking down the street and you look at a store, and and an ad pops up in your contact yeah. lens. This place has something on sale you want. You know, have
1: you have you ever worn contact lenses? Uh,
2: so again, my I was optic optics, and I yeah. helped work. I worked with the doctor who created their first hard lens. Uh, right. We worked on one of my projects at at Cal Berkeley was the weighted contact lens. Right, which so, how you how you handle uh, astigmatism. Yeah, so, so I tried to wear them because I have yeah. astigmatism and I can't wear contacts. They make well, my eyes water and they pop
0: out.
1: Yeah, well, I imagine it'll pop out a bit more if you've got your glucose meter and your uh, OLED display in, and then you've got a cable coming out of the contact lens to the big battery you've got to wear to power <laughs> the thing.
2: No, it would obviously be. <laughs> It'd have to be inductively powered, right? <laughs> but this thing says the Google contact lens will f- has a has an LED inside the lens that would flash when your levels get too high or too low. Yeah. So now yeah. you're, can you imagine dri- you're driving down the street and both your contact lenses flash this bright red light and, and uh, you end up yeah, hitting the car and, in front of you. And you then see-
1: immediately your Android phone Springs up with a Google, uh, what's, the, what's it called? Google Now card that says there are five your blood sugars low. There are five crisp low locations within the vicinity, <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 and, and, the, and the light in the contact lens tells you which way to turn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, this is, well, I mean, I'm I'm I love this because I was in optics, you know, optics of the eyes, and I think this idea of smart contact lenses, this is this is brilliant. It really is. Look, I, I'm curious, I, uh,
1: yeah. Every every science fiction story, kind of some, some Snow Crash onwards, that you ever read about, you ever read, kind of has um, something like that. If it's not, if it's not something like glasses or in the eye, then it's a direct neural connection that allows you to right. kind of do all your computing inside your head by overlaying it over your vision. And, and obviously, so wearable, talk- wearable, yeah, wearable tech. That's probably where it's going ultimately. I mean, well, that's just, I was just why saying, have an iPhone if that. you can build it in your head? Yeah. You just tap your temple to dial, right? Uh, (laughs) Or or just think it or whatever, you know, but, but yes, obviously we, we'd all like to have information overlaid over our vision, kind of like the Terminator, if it was useful. Um, There was
2: a, there was a sci-fi book. I wish I could remember the name of it now. Now I'm going to have to go look it up um, where everybody had this, this neural implant that connected them to the, the Wide web. It wasn't called that in this thing, but that no one had to take how to learn education. You didn't have to educate yeah. anybody because whatever you thought about was immediately fed back into your, into your brain. And then you got the answer. And in the sci-fi book, the mainframe crashes. Yeah. Right. The main system goes down and no one knows how to do anything because mm. they've never had to learn. Yeah.
1: The, probably the best, the best, um, suggestion I ever heard of, of that sort of technology was, uh, in, uh, Peter F. Hamilton's Night Dawn trilogy and, and then some of his other books. Uh, he's, a, he's a British. I think he's British sci fi author. Anyway, he yeah. writes these big, like, epic, multi volume space operas. Uh, the Night Dawn trilogy was one of his first ones where. Um, well, it's complicated. But, you know, kind of really big, broad character, you know, big epic space battle type stuff. And everyone okay. in, in, in his. In his universe, they either used kind of nanotechnology that kind of went to your head, they called it neural nanonics, or alternatively, they had um, biotechnology that they had a gene that was engineered into them so they could telepathically talk to it. That wow. did the same sort of thing, you know. So they would, have, they called it biotech. So if you were, uh, if, if you were a, if you had the gene, you, you, you could, there was, it was almost like two clans. There was one group of people, they went to biotech, and so all of their spaceships and their space station, and everything were all organic grown creatures uh, that had these computing powers in and that they talked to them telepathically. And then the They're non, <laughs> the non biotech people were the people who had, you know, conventional technology, but they could all do pretty much the same things, but they had real spaceships and they had, you know, um, these neural things impl- implanted in their head to do the same sort of idea, you know. And, you know, you, yeah. all of a sudden you you never need to lock a door because your doors always recognize who you are and you can always get information from the internet and everything because you're in, in, inside your head processor will you're go attached. and get it for you and all that sort of thing. You are basically, yeah, you're kind of a, a computing device. As, that's as hey i want
2: to i want to change gears real quick because i know we're running out of time mm-hmm. and talk about one more gadget i saw introduced that i actually pre-ordered right. I, and, and i'm still not on the fence whether i really want to use it or not and that's this new credit card called coin
1: yeah i heard about this in fact i was kind of tempted to to get one myself even though i'm not sure whether it'll work in the uk but um well yeah it's
2: 50 bucks now normally it's 100 Uh, They're pre-ordering for the summer of this year. And for those people who haven't seen Coin, it's an electronic credit card that you use your smartphone. You snap a photo of your credit card. You enter the number, and it gets programmed into this electronic device. And on this little thin credit card that you now carry is a small little display, and you tap it until you get the credit card you want to use displayed. And then you swipe it at the store just like you would a normal credit card. And it gives you it basically one card in your wallet carries your credit cards, your, your membership cards, your everything, anything that has a magnetic swipe.
1: Yeah. Even your hotel room key.
2: Well, they said eventually it could be the hotel room. Yeah. Now I got this and I said, I I wasn't worried about it because if I lose my wallet today, I lose all my credit cards anyway. Okay. Hmm. But they haven't said whether or not this has any security in it. Like, I wanted to have a three or four digit pin code that I have to put in before the card activates. Yeah. So if I lose it, um, you know, someone has, if they put their wrong pin code in, like on my, on my iPhone more than 10 times, it just shuts down. I also would like to be able to, to turn it off remotely, mm. but how would it identify itself?
1: Well, I, I, I understand that the way this works is that it has a, a little magnetic induction coil on the card, and and the act of swiping actually activates that. You would you the way this technology works is you don't really need to swipe it in order to get it read. Oh, you could just hold it. You it it could over hold it, the, but obviously if you did that, the person taking your money would go, "What the hell are you doing?" In fact, well, the, you're probably going to they, get they're quite they're, a lot of that anyway. You're going to go yeah, they're because gonna, cause, you, they're going to say, <laughs> "Hand me your card."
2: And they look your card, and it's just going to be this little black plastic thing. Are they going to? And trust they, yeah, it? And
1: they're going to go. They're going to go, yeah. Hand me your real card, not this. I'm uh, actually, old.
2: I'm actually want to try it for that reason alone. Will people accept it?
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, the amount of PR
2: they're going to have to do to get the public to know that this is really a credit card, or yeah. a, or a, or a, you know, you go into the CVS pharmacy, and this is your this is your pharmacy card, and and are they going to trust them? You know, because I've go to places right now. They want to see the card. And they want to see your signature on the back, which my back of my cards all say, see photo ID. Yeah. Because I'm not giving someone my signature when they steal my card because then they can just copy my signature. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which got me when I was in a foreign country that didn't speak English because they looked at the back of the card. It said, see photo ID. And that didn't match my signature. Um, That was a whole nother problem. Uh, but I, I'm curious what you thought of this thing. Is it is this is this a good idea or a bad idea?
1: Well I, I think there's two there's two concerns I have. Um for the first first one is that I can see this being um preempted by events because here in the UK we don't swipe cards anymore. We move to chip and pin. Oh you have pin, chip and
0: pin, right? Chip
1: and pin and chip and pin
2: right? That should be trivial. Well,
1: I, well, I'm not, I'm not sure whether it is, I I don't know how the, how the, what the security and the chip and pin technology is like. Um, so, so I don't know how easy it is. It's the smart card
2: technology that you guys use. We Mm -hmm. used in, in broadband television, you know, for cards going to set tops and they could put a smart chip in there with the right algorithms that would tell your readers, this is what card it is, and this is what the pin is, and they right. can make it very secure that way. So I don't see why – in fact, I'm surprised it doesn't have the chip
0: contacts well, available. Well, that's
1: that's the thing. I mean, uh, is the, the problem is anybody who buys one now is going to have to buy another one when they when they do a chip and Vib version right. as chip and pin becomes more prevalent. So that's well, that's, that's the first problem.
2: By the way. You guys are smart with that. That means if you lose your card and they don't have your pin, they really can't use it
1: no i i believe there are ways around it now but it's certainly it's certainly far less spoofable than than just a swipe card and a signature Um, here so
2: here you i I gotta tell you my i got my i had a gas card for a gasoline station that i used and my wallet got stolen and i hadn't used this gas card in a long time i stopped using that station that that but i forgot i had it in my wallet and then i get a bill from chevron that says i owe 680 dollars i was like what yeah and So the first thing that I call them and say, look, that card got stolen. I didn't realize I still had it. Um, She sends me the list of charges and they're all at the same gas pump, all within minutes of each other. So somebody took all their friends down there and they filled up all their vehicles. And the first thing the woman says to me is, did you sign the card? And I I was like, does the pump read the signature? Because I don't know how it works in the UK, but here you just put your card in the pump.
1: well yeah i mean well yeah it's the same
2: it asks your zip code they had my wallet they know my zip code now see Um,
1: before 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 in the uk before we moved wholesale to chip and pin people were always very good at checking signatures Uh, okay much more so than than i ever yeah well exactly yeah this this is it but much much more so than i ever found the states i found the states that even if you were paying for groceries or you were in they target don't. or Best Buy or something, they never looked at the signature. My they just swipe the card says, and gave it back to you.
2: My card says, see photo ID. It says it on the back. I've written it in yeah. and they read it and then hand it back to you. Right? They don't even ask. But so this, this woman says to me, well, you know, uh, you should have reported it stolen. I said, look, is it, why isn't your system go, Oh, look, he hasn't used this card in five years. And he's filling up 15 cards. Well, now,
1: seem- n- see, nowadays you would expect that to immediately trigger trigger a flag. Because I've had that yeah. before where, where you know, if, even if you go to a foreign country and you haven't told them before you go, is the first time you make a transaction, it blocks the card and they call you. They shut the card down, yes. We yeah. always
2: call our card company now because they've done that to us. <laughs> yeah, so you'd have thought. Oh, but I worry about this coin card. How is it going to be accepted? And like, if I end up in London with it and say, I want to swipe it, Not only does it not have chip and pin, so they're going to know I'm an American. I have a swipe card. Are they going to trust a little black piece of plastic with a little LCD display? It actually says
1: on their on their website here. It says, "Will it work outside the US? Not in all cases. It will work overseas, but we recommend you bring a backup card when you travel." Yeah, Uh, and then it says, "I think people
2: in the US aren't going to trust it."
1: Well, they, they try and address that, but obviously they are gonna to have to do that marketing campaign. The second thing that worries me about this is this is being run kind of like a Kickstarter. They mm-hmm. won the pre orders, they had a very big PR splash, they they're looking for the pre orders, that's gonna right. help fund their production. If they go if they go under, you've got no protection. You haven't got any yeah, of the Kickstarter I, you know, protections. I figured yeah, I figured
2: exactly that. It was my fifty dollar Kickstarter donation, right? Yeah. yeah. Kickstarter is an interesting problem. Uh, if, you know, you know when you buy something on Kickstarter you're just giving them your money. You know you're not guaranteed to get anything. Yeah, right, but so at least Kickstarter
1: said. normally Kickstarter now after a few early pro- high profile problems now has money put in escrow. And uh, has more protections for the yes. Kickstarter funders. Should the company not be able to deliver? Um, and I've, I've done reason. a couple of kicks. Yeah, I've done a couple of Kickstarter things where they've not succeeded, and I've received my money back. Oh, you um, have. I've, yeah, I have
2: not. I've uh, the way, the one I've read said basically, you know, you take the risk of investment basically. And, well,
1: and. Yeah, certainly. This is this is you know this coin thing. It, uh, you are definitely doing that, and and looking through their frequently asked questions, it doesn't address that at all. It can know, say. Can I, know, put, know. can I put?
2: Can I put? Can I put Bitcoin on it? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> is this, isn't this the exact device you want for Bitcoin?
1: Uh, I I wouldn't. Uh, I, well, Bitcoin doesn't really get passed as a as a payable currency, does it? So. Um, you wouldn't. You won't be able to use this for Bitcoin.
2: Oh, sorry. Wait a minute. I started a video. Um, do you watch? Are you watch sci-fi? Do you watch? Um, almost human.
1: Ah, oh, well, I have it? about eight episodes to watch, but I've not started watching it yet. It's, it
2: takes place in the quote not too distant future. It's. Yeah. It's act, I actually enjoy it. Some people have said they don't like it, but it's the simple. The simple explanation is it's a a futuristic cop program where they have androids. That, yeah, it's it's, it's
1: Holmes and Yo-Yo for the 2010s.
2: <laughs> okay, so yeah. but they constantly talk about Bitcoin in there because it's in the yeah. future, and all these people have these little USB drives, and he goes, "Oh, that's a Bitcoin." You know, they've they've mentioned it like eight times. So all I can figure is someone in that show loves Bitcoin.
1: oh <laughs> well, yeah, certainly the writer wants to sound like uh, cool and cutting edge. <laughs> yeah okay well that'll be interesting, well, we'll, we'll, be talking, interesting. I'll, I'll, yeah I, i'll be interested to hear if uh, a if you ever really get your coin uh, and then be how it works so um well, you'll it, have come to come back, back on, on the show yeah definitely
2: i would love to, i mean i'm so curious to know the the first time i pull this out in a, in a store and hand it to the guy to swipe
1: <laughs> is he gonna look at me
2: like what the hell yeah, it's gonna, look you? He's gonna go really <laughs> i mean i love the idea i hate carrying a wallet so i love the idea of of just a little thing that holds a couple cards that I leave in my pocket, and it does, you know, because I very rarely use cash these days anyway.
1: That's I, right, it, but it, the thing it, is, is if you can carry five or six credit cards in a little, a little nylon pouch, uh, and right. you're not and you're not do. really talking about yeah, but you're not really talking about a big a big horrible thing to carry there. So I think the no, other thing with coin is I carry all my cards because I worry yeah, about you know, if yeah. they
2: yeah, stolen, they're all gone. But and you I have really to worry thing to have security.
1: Yeah, but you have to wonder if, if this is solving a problem that nobody really has, which is... That, or creating you know, a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll be interested yeah, I, to see. We'll I, see how it me, goes. I
2: love, I love gadgets. And this oh, absolutely. Gadget. Me too. For yeah. 50 bucks, I'll, I'll take a shot at it. Yeah. Uh-oh. So I'm, to, we'll, I'm getting told we have internet problems.
1: Okay. well, on, on, That must in, be the NSA the... tapping us right now. <laughs> In that respect, then we'll we'll uh, we'll close the show down. Thanks for joining us this week, Owen, and uh, we'll speak okay, to it's you been soon. A pleasure, thank you for having All me right, thank you. you.